is now the right time for this? Stephen, yeah, I think so. You know, the if you look at the constitutional and and the uh, the constitutional provisions, and you look at the Defence Act, it doesn't give you uh, clarity in terms of precisely when the military should be deployed uh, in support of the police. But if you look at the defense white paper, it refers to what it terms exceptional circumstances. Now, I think the situation in those areas where the military will be deployed can be regarded as uh, exceptional circumstances. So to that extent, I think the deployment of the military in those areas uh, is, is warranted. So, yeah, I, I think one should also remember that they are deployed, are deployed there in support of the police and not to replace the police. And that, that is a very uh, important distinction to keep in mind. Now, let's talk about uh, when this has uh, happened before in terms of, um, you know, efficacy and, of course, the boundaries between where the responsibilities of the Defence Force uh, ends and uh, where it overlaps with the police. Because, of course, unfortunately, we do have this um, collective memory of the deployment of the National Defence Force in the apartheid area. How clear are those uh, divisions? And is this potentially a problem area, not only for the interaction between police and uh, the SANDF, but indeed uh, the people they're supposed to protect? Yes, you, you are absolutely right. There are certain, uh, certain conditions there that, that can become worrying. And if you look at the Defence Act, uh, for example, Section 20 of the Defence Act um, makes provision uh, for the training of military staff deployed in support of the police um, to the extent that they are able to execute the functions of the police. And it's a very dangerous provision in, in many, many ways. So that section... Um, provides the military with precisely the same um, the same powers as that of a police officer, with the exception of uh, the investigation of crime. And then it adds that for the military to to perform those functions, policing functions, they should be trained uh, to perform those functions prior to their deployment. Now, I have no uh, information that this has ever happened before that they are that they are trained uh, for purposes of executing policing functions so this is why i think it's important that when they are deployed they are deployed only to support the police and not to perform those those functions unless we are convinced that they actually did receive the necessary training but there are other problems as well of course the, the military are not equipped in the way the police are equipped. For example, the police have sidearms uh, to perform the doctrine of minimum force, where the military are not issued with, uh, with, with sidearms. They have rifles, submachine guns, and so on, which is not the kind of equipment uh, you require for uh, performing police functions. And, of course, they are differently organized, and there are so many differences there uh, in terms of doctrine, in terms of organization, equipment, vehicles even, and so on. So, so there needs to be an agreement beforehand, precisely what their support role will be, 
and 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 what the police the police should be doing when the military are deployed uh, along with them. So yeah, it's a it's 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 quite a complicated business, I think. Yeah, in terms of the, the the in terms of the legal aspect, this does have to ultimately be approved by the president, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the president is, in terms of the constitution, section two hundred one of the constitution, the only person that can deploy the military for this purpose. Uh, and then, of course, there are a number of requirements that uh, the president also have to uh, adhere to, such as, for example. He needs to uh, inform Parliament um, within a, uh, um, a certain period, and and he must tell them um, what the purpose of the deployment uh, is, how many uh, um, staff will be deployed, how many soldiers, um, what the duration of that deployment will be, uh, when it will start, in what areas the deployment. There's a number of things the uh, uh, president will have to inform Parliament about. Um, so there must be a clear um, start date and a clear end date uh, for this kind of deployment. Are there sort of, I mean, we, we see uh, the SANDF get rolled out uh, often to assist with humanitarian disasters, for instance. Clearly they, they work with police and they work with uh, local authorities, but clearly that dynamic is very, very different. In many countries, and especially unstable countries, for instance, you know, the army becomes an enforcer, which, un- you know, is an unfortunate thing. But can we look internationally to um, the effective use of uh, Defense Force staff in terms of assisting police in, I suppose, I want to use the word, you know, true democracy, where there, it is purely a crime-fighting uh, deployment? Uh, Stephen, I'm not aware of any, uh, at least not in uh, democratic countries where, 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 this, where this happens. You do find countries such as in uh, France, Belgium, and so on, where you have, where you have a semi-type of military, uh, uh, at least military uh, forces, uh, such as gendarmerie and so on, which uh, uh, have elements of militarism. Um, but the doctrine, equipment, and the functions are obviously policing. So it's a mix, and, and there has been proposals over the years that we in South Africa should consider uh, the development of, of such a paramilitary uh, policing um, organization. Of course, with our history in this country, uh, it doesn't enjoy uh, a lot of support. But we also have a history in this country also uh, uh, since uh, or after 1994, uh, with the constitutional changes, we the military have almost, as, as a standard in South Africa, became involved in in, in support of the police. In terms of, uh, you know, if you, if you consider the the, um, uh, the so-called uh, major events, sporting events, the, the rugby World Cup, cricket World Cup, and other major events where the military have a, a, a very specific role in support of the police through the so-called joint structure, the joint operational intelligence structure. Also with elections, national and provincial elections, where the military uh, provided a huge supporting role to the police. So, so And, of course, through the electoral commission and, and, and so on. So we, we do have a, a history 
uh, in this country where there were excellent cooperation between the police and the military. But the kind of deployment we are talking about now is different uh, uh, in the sense that the military will be deployed um, to support police um, in, in certain communities where they will deal, be dealing with civilians in, 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 in a more or less uh, policing uh, support role. And the danger of this kind of deployment over time is that um, because of the lack of policing training that they can become involved in incidents where this, uh, where they, where they, because they have the functions of the police, where they can perform those functions in a way that's completely illegal or unlawful in terms of the consequences of the actions, and then also social ways that we've seen over the years, we've seen with the military deployment elsewhere in Africa, very often uh, soldiers become involved in they are exposed in an area for too long in, in situations that is, uh, in the words of the white paper, is uh, damaging uh, to the, to the uh, integrity of, of, uh, of the military. That's uh, a consultant on policing, uh, Professor Johan Berger.